All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We continue on Monday afternoon. Welcome back to the show. How are you? Jason Greger Show presented by our title sponsor, PlayAlberta.ca, where, uh, well, hey, you know what? It's better than nothing in the uh, in the month of September. Uh, we're helping out kids sport uh, because uh, every day we make a $20 wager at playalberta.ca. And at the end of the month, anything that we are up, we donate to the uh, charity. So uh, we'll be adding it to our uh, total for uh, the pizza pig out for uh, kids sport. It was a, a whopping 88 bucks. But hey, better than being down. So uh, there you go. We're hoping October will be uh, a little bit better. So we'll get to uh, some of that later on today. Sh- uh, should be... Uh, should be a lot of fun. I'm Jason Greger. Uh, Terry, Terry, do we have your uh, technical difficulties figured out? You tell me. Can you hear me? I can kind of hear you. You can kind of hear me. Yeah, you're very low. Uh, God, then we're, yeah, I thought I had it solved. I'm not sure what's happening. I use this every day. I don't know my will. Turn it on. Yeah. No, I can, I can hear you, but it's very faint. So we'll get you and Declan to have a chat on the phone and we'll try to figure out what we're, maybe we'll just get you on the phone. That might be uh, a little bit better to ensure that it, uh, it works out. So we'll, uh, we'll figure that out. Try to get you a set of headsets too. So, um, get those guys to figure it out. You got to love the uh, wonders of technology. Now let's, uh, let's talk a little, uh, soccer with our, uh, money and even some hockey with our, uh, Monday uh, regular 4 p.m. guest as Andy Petrillo from uh, CBC Sports and Soccer One joins us. Andy, how you doing? Good. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yes. Wonderful. Can, can hear you <laughs> just fine. Now, Andy, uh, of course, your main gig is covering uh, all things soccer, and I am now. Granted, I don't cover soccer as in depthly as you do, but mm-hmm. it seems okay. odd to me. 
that John Herdman is the head coach of Toronto, yet he's not going to be coaching. He's going to be observing for the first bit. Why? Well, here's the thing. There are a lot of theories, and you're right. It's very strange. This is somebody who was announced as the head coach on August 28th, and in that announcement, they said he would take over Toronto FC on October 1st. So already people were like, whoa, that's strange. Like, where in the world of sport have you heard of a, you know, a, a club, a team, announce a head coach and say, ah, but he's not going to start for like another month or so. And then in the process of all of that, you know, so basically taking over October 1st means there are three games left mm-hmm. in the season for Toronto FC. So yeah. like, okay, he'll coach the last three games. Then we heard... Um, that he won't be coaching the final three games. He'll probably just be the coach for the last game of the season, which also happens to be a home game. So it's all very strange, but I think more than anything here, Jason, it's like it's the club's unwillingness to just say, listen, we named him as a coach. He's going to come in for like the last game. He's going to be around, but he's really like going to take over next season. Mm-hmm. Um, it, all, it, it all seems a little secretive, which also seems a little weird. And then, yeah, so there's a lot of people, and because of that, a lot of people are just developing their own theories. So you have some people who are like, this is absolutely brilliant. Um, <laughs> yes, it's unheard of, but maybe this is the way it should be for new coaches who come in, get acclimated, know the workings, the ins and outs, you know, see the players, observe them from a distance. Maybe this is a genius move. And then there are others that are like, this is beyond weird. Mm-hmm. Is this some sort of mind game? Um, and then because, you know, quite frankly, Toronto C has been really bad this season. I mean, they have four wins yes. all year. Um, some people are like, is this John Herdman not wanting to ruin his own coaching record as he enters the pro game for the first time? So all these different storylines swirl because it's just so bizarre. But, I mean, either way, he was at training today, so he's at the club now, and, and we'll see if this new tactic works. It is odd. I, I don't care what anyone tells me. I don't know if I can say it's brilliant. Um, because yeah, exactly. I'm kind of like to observe from afar kind of goes against everything because now you're going to make observations without being as informed as you can. You're always more informed when you're on the inside. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. Like I said, I'm just, I mean, unless somebody can correct us who's ever listening right now, I have just never heard of this anywhere in the world of sport, like where they're like, yeah, this guy's going to be our new head coach. But psych, he won't be here for another few months. And you're like, what? Like, why would you name them? It's just, it's kind of weird. But um, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, again, maybe there's more to it than we realize. Like Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, you know, maybe they um, they put the pressure on the president, Bill Manning, to be like, we need to have a head coach. So maybe he felt the pressure to name a head coach, knowing full well that maybe he was really going to take over next year anyway. But it all just seems to be in line with how crazy this year has been for Toronto FC, that's for sure. But we'll see. I mean, Herdman's entering the pro game for the first time. Can he translate, you know, what he was doing at the national team level, which, as we know, is so different. Like, you see your your players once every few months. Um, You have months to plan, you know, for a tournament, for friendlies. Whereas this is every day. It is day in, it is day out. It's a grind. Are the same tactics going to work? You know, the same kind of motivational speeches when you're seeing guys every day. Um, so, uh, you know, just for Herdman himself, this is this is brand new territory. We'll see how it goes. Andy Petrillo joins us. Andy, the, uh, the Can- Canadian Premier League is growing, but um, refereeing seems to be lagging. Uh, Kyle Becker of Forge uh, called out the refs uh, big time. 
here. Um, and then you had Nathan Ingram of Ottawa calling out his teammates. I'm not sure which one's better or worse, but I guess let's start with the officiating one. Um, it's always easy to call out officials. I'll be honest, I haven't watched enough CPL games to have any sort of informed opinion on the level mm. of officiating. But uh, I, I think there might be a problem in officiating because at the amateur level, nobody wants to officiate because you got lunatic parents and coaches at young levels who freak <laughs> out. So everybody's like, I don't want to do it. So they don't get any experience, and then we don't have a pool of refs to pick from. Yeah, this yeah, this is where I, how I was really hoping Terry would fix his mic. I was curious to get his thoughts on the Nathan Ingham one and just like a teammate calling out other teammates. But, yeah, we'll start with uh, Kyle Becker. And let me tell you, he was not mincing words. If anyone wants to go and find that audio, he just flat out said, like, this league is growing. The players are doing their part, the coaches, the fans, the media. Like, we're all doing our part. And he just flat out said that the refereeing is just not keeping up. And I guess, you know, in some ways it's expected. When a league is in its infancy and it's growing, certain aspects are just probably going to be slower to catch up. It's just it's sad that it's the officiating. To your point, though, many times, like, I mean, my goodness, even at the NHL, NBA, like you name it, top leagues are always going to complain about the officiating. But I will say that the this does seem a little bit universal in that it's across all eight teams. They all seem to be very upset that the officiating doesn't seem to be catching up. And the CPL, it's a development league, but it's not just a development for players and coaches. It's also that way for the officials. So they're learning, and I'm pretty sure. So Isaac Raymond is, is the head of officiating uh, with Canada Soccer and CPL. And I just really hope that he's listening to the players. I, I hope that he's trying, you know, going to come up with a plan. I don't know whether it's camps, whether it's just something with officials and players and how they can make it better because there are some glaring mistakes. Um, I think in this particular instance, a lot of people will look at, you know, what Kyle Becker said and be like, it's kind of hard to fault him for being as angry as he was. And I think a lot of other players on other teams. So it wasn't just like, but the reason why he also said it was a call went a certain way against them that awarded Halifax a penalty kick. It was pretty obvious the Halifax player dove, um, but the ref, and again, many refs seem to fall for this. And, you know, he was upset about it. But again, it wasn't just a forge thing. There have been players on other teams who have said things. So it seems to be across the board. And, you know, again, I just hope that this is the league and Isaac Raymond, who heads officiating, like they're listening because it is a league that's growing. And that's understandable, but you have to keep up and you have to develop these reps. These are reps who also have aspirations, by the way, of moving on to MLS, other leagues. These are, these are reps that also have aspirations of, of refing, you know, at big tournaments, right? We've, we've seen Canadian officials have their, their role in uh, World Cups. Like, they, they have dreams, too. <laughs> but you got to get better. So hopefully certain things will be put into place to help that part of it grow. And then, yeah, Nathan Ingham with Atletico Ottawa once again letting in a late goal. He basically told his teammates to grow up. And I was like, um, I, I, I wonder if he might want to take that back just a little bit. He is a leader. He's a veteran in the league, you know, Jason. But oftentimes I think people or at least teammates will be a lot more forgiving if a guy gets in front of the mic and uses the we. We need to be better. We need to grow up. We need to do this. We need to do that. Even if he's been the best player on the team, it's always appreciated more when he includes himself in the group. When he kind of turns around and says, I told my teammates to grow up. I told them it's not good enough. I don't know how that's going to go over in the room. Uh, but he clearly needed to get something off his chest, that's for sure. And, uh, Annie, Terry's with us. So I'm going to ask Terry. Terry, how would you respond oh, yeah. if one of your teammates came out and said, yeah, they're immature, they need to step up rather than we do? Yeah, that's a huge no-no. There's, 
<laughs> to me, there's there's things you there's things as an athlete you do, and there's things you don't do. There's a huge gray area in between, and we can sit here and talk about those all day long. And there's sports arguments and debates that are interesting. But for me, you never ever do that. Call out your teammates so obviously, because obviously, you're not without flaw, right? And well, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, it's 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 like it's a tough one, man, too, because he's the goalkeeper. So I can imagine Terry, he probably feels like in many ways he's being hung out to dry. They're fighting for a playoff spot. Now they're going to be out. Like, emotions were high, but, you know, I just, that's why it's good to hear from a player perspective because you're always like, bro, what are you doing? Right? After he walks well, into the room, I can imagine how that conversation went down. Like, like anything, you know, there's good scores. There's good hitters. There's good, some people just say the wrong. They might not articulate it the right way, and and that's there's a real knack to that, right? There's a finesse around that. Um, you know, guys that used to be players. Who, Sheldon Keep's a good example. You know, I mean, any coach really, but you know, you're you're on that seat and you've got to answer these questions, and everybody knows what the answer is, right? And 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 some people probably are on your side, but when you articulate it that way, just because not so much for the look, although it looks terrible to fans you know they're people that you're playing with and you're showing up with and it, there's just for me it's really easy to cause a whole lot of cancerous behavior in the room for, for lack of a better way to put it i mean metaphorically um when, when you when you act like that and I, I just don't see an excuse for it it was my number one pet peeve as a player for sure <clears throat> Andy Petrillo joins uh, Jason Greger, Terry Ryan here on the Jason Greger Show. Andy, one last one for you. Uh, Christine Sinclair and her club uh, uh, secured uh, uh, their, you know, a playoff spot. But after the game, she was very emotional and upset. Um, what do you make of this? Is are we? Is this nearing the end? Is is Christine Sinclair going to retire? Do you think? This is this is a big one, Jason. As you know, she's a legend in the sport. Um, people love her. And, uh, yeah, the Canadian women, I mean, they got it done. They qualified for Paris. You know, these, of course, are the, uh, the, the reigning Olympic champions, but they had to go through that qualifier with Jamaica. And that second game, so first of all, she doesn't play in the first game. So these mm-hmm. are two crucial games. Yeah. She doesn't play in that first one, which already raised some eyebrows. Then in the second game, she once again didn't start. And when she got subbed into the game, it was pretty much over at that point. We knew Canada was going to beat Jamaica. They were going to go. And then afterwards, yes, yeah, she was crying. Teammates, Shalina Zadorsky was, was noticeably comforting her. So afterwards, you know, I was trying to do my due diligence uh, in, in the bowels of BMO Field. And I'm like, can somebody tell me what's going on here? And I was speaking to people at Canada Soccer, and it was kind of intimated to me that it was. Like, you know, that this is it. It's kind of done for her. Um, and that the team, so there is a FIFA window at the end of October, they're going to plan some games for that. And I believe there's another FIFA window beginning of December. Okay. And I, I, from from what I understand, Canada Soccer will be playing some home games, and they would preferably like to make one of those games in Vancouver oh. so they can give her a send-up. This is, this is what we're hearing right now. And if you listened to Bev Priestman closely after the match, she said Christine's goal was to get us to the Olympics, which, by the way, is a different message than what was being said to us before. It was always understood that Christine would play in the Paris 2024 Olympics. So somewhere something has changed. Maybe it was the fact that, you know, it was a pretty bad World Cup. They don't advance out of the group stage. Maybe Christine's like, I'm tired. I am getting old. Maybe she realizes again, Bev Priestman's not playing me. I'm not a starter anymore. And not that that makes her a bad teammate, 
But, you know, when you've been the superstar, when you've been the goal scorer, sometimes, you know, it's hard to change your role and not be that anymore. So maybe, maybe she's recognizing it's best to, uh, to step aside and, and let the next generation take over. But for me, her crying after the game, Bev Priestman's words saying her goal was to get us to the Olympics, and she didn't say to play at the Olympics. And then even people within Canada soccer talking about trying to book a game in Vancouver. Um, it's looking like, you know, the 40-year-old Christine Sinclair, who has represented this country pr- proudly and has done this country proud, we could be saying goodbye to her, I guess, within this year, Jason. So keep an eye out for that. Well, that, well that'd be a big story. Uh, eventually, age catches up with all the great athletes. but uh, And so I, I could see why it would be emotional. Andy, great stuff as always. We appreciate your time. We'll talk to you next Monday. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. That is uh, Andy Petrillo from uh, CBC and Sports One. Jason Greger alongside uh, Terry Ryan. TR, have you ever had a teammate like at any level where they said something publicly and then it caused a conversation within the room? Well, this, yes, I'll tell you the most famous um, example of that that I've been a part of. Okay. I got, now, this didn't bother me at all, but I got drafted to Montreal, okay, in 95. The year before was a lockout, so it was a late draft. Yeah. It was July 8th. So I went, not immediately, but maybe two or three weeks later, I went right to Montreal. I was working out with the team and, and you know, getting to know my bearings. I was real. I just fell off the turnip truck. Real, raw, I mean, to St. John, Mount Pearl, to Quinnell, B.C., to Tri-Cities. Smaller places, and, uh, you know, now I'm in Montreal. Two, two years removed from them winning the Cup. And it seemed like a great atmosphere in the room, man. Those guys were buddies to this day. There's people I met at that camp, like Mark Lamb, just like one camp. And, and I know if I saw him again, Mike Keane, another one, Lilo Line, I'd shake their hands and sit down. Like real nice fellas. It seemed like a good vibe in the room. But Mike Keane came out one day. It was really, we just eat, ate like lunch. Um, I was getting to know everybody. And there was a presser. And I remember like I answered the typical first round pick questions and met the press and Mike Keane came out and, and he had a question about learning French because he was just made captain and he said I I don't think that I necessarily need to be fluent in French now he went on to explain that they didn't we didn't speak it in the locker room it was spoken of course amongst the French but for the most part they used English because everybody would know it mm-hmm. he wasn't opposed to learning it but the way that he articulated it wasn't the best. And he was, I believe, traded, if not right away, within within a month. I, I, it could have been right away, though. And that's probably the biggest example of a quote that came back to bite a player that I've been involved with, given the circumstance. You're talking about the captain of the Montreal Canadiens. Um, one more was Vladimir Malikov. I forget but he called out some teammates. I forget in what way because he wasn't going to call me out. I mean, I'm there practicing. And then they caught him skiing. He was out with a bad knee when he said it. Yeah. And they caught him skiing on Mount Montreblanc where we'd all had camp that year. It was a nice resorty spot. And anyway, so I found that one kind of hypocritical. And again, I don't know him very well. He wasn't like he was my teammate, close teammate, but I guess he technically was. And uh, that was another example. Quick break. When we come back, Kevin Woodley will join us on Sports 1440. He's got some numbers on Stuart Skinner. What you expect in year two? Young goalies. There's there's lots of numbers that will tell you what to expect. Also, a Jack Campbell bounce back. We'll get to that. Uh, also, Demko is healthy. What does that mean to the Canucks? And the waiver wire will be very busy for goalies. Who 
should be the ones that Tampa Bay picks. We'll find out next on the Jason Greger Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Rolling through Monday afternoon, of course, game day. Oilers in Seattle to take on the Kraken. McDavid, Drysaddle, and Hyman are expected to be aligned tonight after Nugent Hopkins, Kane, and Brown were aligned on Saturday. You will have uh, Holloway, Ryan, and Yanmark, Derek Ryan playing center. Ernie, Hamblin, and Lavoie. Also, Brad Malone centering Borgo and Griffith. On the back end, Kulak and CeCe. Gleason and Broberg. Deneen and Kemp and Jack Campbell. In goal for the Kraken, Beneers with McCann and Eberle. Wenberg with Burakovsky and Schwartz. So they're two top two lines. Right, that's Shane. We'll center Yamamoto and Cardi. And then uh, Podolarski will center Hayden and former order Devin Shore. On the back end, Evans and Larson. Dumoulin and Justin Schultz. Magna, Fleury. And then Philip Grubauer in between the pipes. So, as I mentioned, getting closer to NHL rosters, not 100%, but close to around 60, 65% of players tonight are expected to be on their NHL rosters, which is, uh, which is always good. Let's go around the NHL now, brought to you by McDonald's. Enjoy your choice of sausage or chicken McMuffin with a hash brown and a small coffee for only $25 right now at McDonald's as Kevin Woodley from In Goal Magazine and NHL.com joins uh, Jason Greger alongside uh, Terry Ryan. Uh, Kev, good to see you again, my man. Hope things are uh, going well. And let's start right uh, in Edmonton with uh, with their goaltending. Uh, Stuart Skinner coming off a finalist as the rookie of the year. What, uh, what, do you, what do the numbers tell you about goalies in year two? I'll be honest with you. I didn't, it wasn't so much the numbers as we have seen in the past. Goalies sort of take a step back, right? That sophomore slump is a real thing for, I think, a lot of players. But I, in goalies in particular, honestly believe it's about the pre-scout um, and the amount of information that's out there. I think when you get through your first year, very rarely are teams paying uh, as much attention as maybe they should be. And we've talked about this before. Like, the type of detail that goes into it breaking down and attacking a goaltender becomes most relevant in the playoffs. I don't believe that teams play or pay as much attention to it when it's one of 82 on a Tuesday night uh, as they as they are when it's a best of seven. But typically, when you get into the playoffs, as Skinner did, um, some of the details, some of the sort of tendencies in your game, they get picked over pretty good. And when you head into your second year, especially coming off of playoffs, um, that's when teams tend to, there's things they look for, right? And so the thing about Skinner, though, that I think makes him not sophomore slump proof necessarily, but maybe a little more resistant to it, is there aren't any extremes in his game, Jason. Okay. Like, he's not a super aggressive goalie who's, you know, way outside his crease. Say, you know, I'll give you an example, like Spencer Martin here in Vancouver, first time through, uh, it was a small sample, but he, you know, he ran with a 950 last year, obviously got exposed a little bit, and I thought, once he was in as the starter after Demko got hurt, what teams were clearly identifying and taking advantage of is once somebody got an open look on end zone play, he was so aggressive yeah. uh, in terms of, and they just started passing it around him. And, you know, again, Stewart doesn't play to those extremes. I don't think that's an option. But the only thing I would worry about with him is, you know, if, if the Oilers start giving up the middle because he is a little more passive and doesn't paint around the edges of his crease, um, if teams get time and space in the middle of the ice, you know, are you going to see them start to sort of maybe pick spots? We, we always think of high glove. Frankly, I'd be over the pads on Stewart a little bit more than I would be up in the corners, things like that. I just don't see the extremes in his game that are more likely to lead to bigger swings in his play in the second year than maybe somebody who, like I said, 
plays a little more aggressive one way or another. I think there's a lot of neutrality to Stuart Skinner's game, and I say that as a positive. Jack Campbell, it's only one preseason game, but he looked very good against the uh, Calgary Flames. Uh, he spoke that he spent a lot of the offseason just trying to maybe clear out the mental side of, of his game. And, you know, obviously he, he changed all his equipment midseason, which is almost unheard of for a goaltender. I think Jack Campbell can bounce back and be 905 to, to 94 to 910 if he falls in that category in today's NHL. That's totally fine. What do you make of Campbell? And I know it's only one preseason start, but uh, where do you think he's at? Well, listen. We talked about this last year, right? Like, I wasn't really worried about Jack Campbell's game so much as I was at times between the years. I think there was a point last year where I said, you know, it's not, I wouldn't be looking for a new goalie guru. I'd be looking for a sports psychologist just because he was so hard on himself. And that's so hard to do in a market, any Canadian market. He got away with it in Toronto. Um, listen, he is not as bad as he was last year. Yes. I still, you know, we, we talked about this when they made the signing. You looked at the numbers in Toronto, what you compared, how much of that was his performance relative to, you know, the team and how well they defended in front of him. And he graded out in the 30s. Would I have paid that much for that contract given that? Probably not. But last year was well below that. He's a better goaltender than he showed last year. And I think with experience, and I know he, you know, I, I not at liberty to discuss what names he reached out to, but I know he reached out to people when he says that, you know, he went and sought out other advice in the off season. I know that for a fact, because I know some of the people that he did reach out to and, and sort of went to, um, to get new voices and new ideas and new direction. And so if that did also include somebody to help him sort of manage the mental game and be able to reset and frankly, just not be as hard on himself as he has been, you know, frankly, throughout his career, I think that that's a positive direction. It's really easy to pick on him after the year he had last year. But we saw some positive signs down the stretch, as you said. And that didn't just change gear. He changed the entire, like, not only equipment, companies twice. But he changed, like, the, the total style of pad yeah. that he wore. I mean, that's huge. And he did it a couple times, frankly. And so just to have all of that behind him and be a little more settled, if you can combine that with just maybe not beating himself up as much when he does make a mistake, I think those are all positives, and I think you'll see him much improved from last year. As long as that environment continues to be as strong, much like it was for him in Toronto, um, the numbers could look really good this season. Kevin, I know you've probably been asked this a thousand time, times this week and are sick of answering it, but what do you think the Lightning are going to do about the Vasilevsky problem? Well, the surgery, the time off, all of the above. Well, okay, the good news, Terry, on the surgery side of things is um, – I've had that one. Uh, that's the closest I'm ever going to get to Andre Vasilevsky as we now share a surgery. Um, and as a goalie, I can tell you, like, uh, it, it was a little worrisome when the problem crept up and when it was identified, uh, but it was just a massive relief to have this to distectomy and to basically have that pain turned off. And, and frankly, I, I ain't in Andre Vasilevsky shape, and I was back after a couple of months uh, and playing hockey without a problem ever since. So I think a lot of people have looked at that and the fact it's a, a back and the contortion type positions that Andre puts himself into and being a little worried, right? Cause certainly when you have one disc operated on, that's the one thing they do sort of express concern about is it can start to sort of pop up the chain a little bit uh, on your spine. But um, you know, as a goalie, the difference is, I get into contorted positions by accident, usually while falling down. He gets into them on purpose, and I haven't had any problems in the years since. I'm also a hell of a lot older than he is. So that's the positive here at Lightning. I know they've talked about a 10-week window. Um, given what we know of Vasilevsky's work ethic, do not be surprised if that's a lot sooner. In terms of what they do in the meantime, you know, 
I'm educated guessing like everybody else, and I'm fascinated to see the answer. And there's a little part of me, as much as I think it's unlikely, there's a little part of me that wonders if they stick with what they have. Uh, as much as Ooh. they seem to believe in Jonas Johansson. And there's a, there is a part of me that's like, hey, if you really believe in these guys, in Matt Tompkins, in Jonas Johansson. And Matt Tompkins spent some time in Kelowna this summer training with some people I know and really seemed to take steps in his game, both in terms of what he does physically, what he's capable of doing physically, uh, working with an osteopath that we work at, uh, with at Ed Ingle Magazine and know a number of other pros who have sort of seen him as just a, a game changer for them. Uh, his work with, with a goalie coach we know up there. Like, I think Tompkins has taken some strides. Now, listen, replacing Andre, Andre Vasilevsky, nobody wants to be, you know, sort of thrust into that spotlight. But I think they might give these guys an opportunity. That could all change with the waiver wire, right? Like, we've seen the names that are potentially headed to the waiver wire, and I would think some of them might interest Tampa Bay. The cap situation, because you have to manage these bodies once they're back, uh, once Vasilevsky's back and still be under the cap makes it interesting. The other name that I wonder about, I mean, obviously on waivers, you know, I mentioned it, you know, you know, there's talk of James Reimer or Alex Lyon in Detroit, like who wins the backup job there. And the other guy, does he end up on waivers or do the wings because they have cap flexibility just keep three to keep them off the waiver wire. Martin Jones in Toronto, obviously what he did, it, you know, with uh, Seattle last year in terms of maybe not the best numbers, but managing to put up wins and just sort of a steady presence behind a team that has shown they know how to win. Um, could Toronto find a way to keep three goalies to keep him off the waiver wire? Caden Primo in Montreal, there's, again, talk, did they keep three there? Nadelkovich or Helberg in Pittsburgh, which one goes down? There's an opportunity to pick a guy off the waiver wire. But the other name I would look at if I was Tampa, and if he's willing to sign for a smaller ticket that doesn't create problems when Vassie is back, that's what Yaroslav Halak, who for the, the concern there is slow starts, Yaro's a goalie that we've gotten to know here at Ingle really well. He's done video breakdowns with us in the past. He reads the game at such a high level. It's a big part of why he's had success over his career. But those reads require a little timing, right? You need to know the tendencies of your own defenseman, not just what teams are trying to do attacking you, but, you know, how is my defenseman going to play this? How is he going to play that? How is this pairing going to manage this situation? And I then read off that as a goaltender. He's very, he's very good at that but it can take a little time to get comfortable. So we've seen him have slow starts, but I mean, at one point last year, he won seven in a row for the Rangers. Um, his adjusted save percentage numbers, even here in Vancouver behind a terrible team were positive to the point where they were in the top 15, top 20 of the NHL. And he's a guy that I know wants to play because he's determined to get to 300 NHL wins and he's five short right now. So maybe this might be just my bias in getting to know Yarrow over the years and wanting to see him get that opportunity. But I think he'd be a great fit for that team. Well, time is on their side. Now I have a question. Speaking of goalies' mobility and in Goal Magazine, I was reading an article about goalies playing goalie tennis. And, you know, in pretty much – I'm just fascinated because I think the, the, the goalie position has evolved arguably more than any other position in sports. I mean, it, it's up there. And there's a lot of goalies working on all kinds of different things and different methods than they ever did. Do you think that we'll get to a point – that they get to the, the rules get changed back and they get to use use their hands a little bit more and they you know be, being the trapezoid now kind of restricts them. Do you think we'll get to a point that goalies get to use the, their uh, puck skills more by way of a rule change? Oh, I, I would love to see that, Terry. Because and I think there's a lot of people who'd like to see it because as much as you know a guy like Berdur changed the game and brought the the trapezoid into play, there are a lot of like 
these kids these days, and, and you mentioned the goalie tennis, and I got to give a shout out to Thomas Spear, the San Jose Sharks goalie coach. <laughs> um, he came up with that game while we were in Kelowna at the Net360 goalie camp. Um, oh, really? I, I, I don't want to say that there may have been some adult beverages and a game and a night at the karaoke <laughs> bar involved when he came up with that game, but the goalies loved it. And it's a great way we're seeing like from junior goalies to under 12 goalies. I got goalie coaches sending me videos of their kids doing this drill. It's just a fun game at the end of practice that will help you get better puck handling. And man, Terry, the way these, the way these kids can chuck it now as goalies, uh, it's remarkable to see the skill involved. And so would I like to see them get an opportunity to display that more in the NHL? Absolutely. But I also think we'd see offense created out of it. Like, you know, we've seen a yeah. lot of the studies, right, that'll tell you, like, you're better to just – a goalie's better to get back there and just leave it. Let the guy with the, the stick that's designed to make passes, the defenseman who gets paid millions of dollars to break the puck out, let him come get it and play, and play it up the ice. You know, we see offense created off goalie mistakes handling the puck, and I don't think it would be a bad thing if we saw more goalies out in the corner further away from the net potentially creating some of those mistakes and some of those – as much as they can be groaners when it's your team that does it – um, you know, they, they kind of end up on the highlight reel. So I just think it's a skill that still goalies can, can shine with, but you're right. We could see it even more if they would open it back up. Do I see it happening? I kind of doubt it. You know, they, mm-hmm. they, they tend to like these rules and not want to revisit them after they've brought them in. But uh, man, I'm with you. I, I want to see more of it. Let's let us chuck the puck. Hey, my beer league team. They don't want anything to do with me handling the puck. It's a nightmare waiting to happen. But at the NHL <laughs> level, I think you could see it both ways. You could see transition offense from guys who are great with it. But you could also see more mistakes and, and, and more offense created that way. And lastly, Kev, when you look at the uh, waiver wire this coming week for goaltenders, there's lots of projections. Who do you see the guys that are going to be exposed? And if you could pick in order, like the top two, who do you think they would be the goalies you would claim on waivers? You know, I'd probably, like, you look what Alex Lyon did last year. If it is indeed him in Detroit instead of James Reimer, and i got to think it would be. I, I mean, I'd be all over Reimer as a solid backup. Because this is the thing, right? When you claim a guy off waivers, you sort of need to keep him on your team. Yes. You know, and I think that's one of the reasons that we saw Columbus go after Spencer Martin. I had other goals. And I listen, I like Spencer Martin. Last year was a tough year for him. But he got to bear the brunt of when the Canucks were at their worst defensively. He was the goalie behind that. When it was just fire drilled night after night after night, he got stuck with those numbers. Uh, I think he can be an NHL goaltender. But I think when Columbus claims him, instead of waiting for a James Reimer, an Alex Lyon, a Martin Jones, or a Caden Primo, I think it's in part because they know if Daniel Tarasov, the six foot seven Russian stud that's been having trouble coming back from injury in the preseason, if he is ready, and they need to t- put Spencer Martin back down in the minors because of the glut of goaltenders here in Vancouver. It's unlikely Vancouver reclaims him back. So that right. might be why that decision was made. If you're another team, you need to look at one of these guys and say, is he an upgrade on what we have? Because you need to keep him if you bring him in. Otherwise, you're just going to lose him again. Like, ask Magnus Helberg how that goes. He ends up playing musical chairs around the league last year, bouncing from team to team. The, the two guys that I think Reimer would obviously fit that list. He would be an upgrade for some teams in the backup position. I think Alex Lyon can be that guy as well. Um, and Martin Jones as a steady veteran guy. You know, I look at some teams, you know, I think maybe even in New Jersey, if, if, if indeed Martin Jones or when he ends up on waivers, because I know the Leafs with an injury to Connor Timmons might have bought themselves enough time to keep three for a little while. Um, but if, if at some point Jones end up on waivers, I would not be surprised to see him claimed by a team that sees him in that. I mean, you put a good defense in front of Martin Jones, 
and he can produce results for you. Is he an acrobat anymore? No, but he's such a solid technical goaltender. He's not going to lose you games. And there are some teams that could maybe use that upgrade in the backup position. And he's one of the guys I'd consider if that's what you're looking for. Kev, as always, great stuff, man. Good to have you back on the show, and uh, we will talk to you every Monday. Have a good one. I I am happy to be back. For those watching on the TV side, notice the in-goal hat. Uh, happy to see Devin Levi rocking this at the Bills game this weekend, so I had to wear wear ours in honor of Devin doing that for us. Hey, what about Devin Levi, Kev? Do you know the last, call, last time a goalie went directly from college to be a full-time NHL goalie? I think there's. I only- know Ryan, Ryan Miller spent a year in the American League. Yes. It, it's a, it's a, it's somewhat something of an obscure name. If I remember. oh, it might have been uh, Barrasso. No. Well, yeah, there was. He was one of them. There's only two, and then there was a guy after him whose name escapes me right now because Barrasso actually came right out of high school. Um, right. And so we're talking like in the 19, I think it was 1982 is the last time a goalie went directly from college to play a full season in the NHL. Well, let me tell you, Devin Levi, I spent a week with him in Montreal, and we'll save this for next week because some of the details on what he does. I was one of the people who was like, he should spend time in the American Hockey League just because every goalie should. After spending time with him in Montreal, like he's my breakout candidate for this year. If you ask me, usually I find some guy who's a journeyman who's, you know, the underlying numbers are great, and I've got a few of those as well. But Devin Levi, I believe, is the real deal. He plays with a level of aggression that I thought might get exposed. Again, as teams start to identify it, can you pass around him? Yeah, he is so quick. I'm not sure you can pass around this kid. So I'm really excited. Thanks for him. Whether it happens right away or not, man, the Sabres have a good one in Devin Levi. Awesome. Thanks, Kev. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. It's Kevin Woodley from Ingo Magazine and NHL.com. We'll return with five questions on the Jason Greger Show presented by Play Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. We roll through Monday afternoon. Jason Greger, Connor Halleck, Terry Ryan with you along for the ride. Thanks as always. Texts coming in. People getting fired up in the text line. I like it. We know hockey season's right around the corner because the emotion is starting to amp up in the text line. 833-401-1440. It's the same number to uh, dial in when we open up phone lines. As It's time now to get to uh, five questions brought to you by The Brick. 
are committed to saving you more at the Bricks price guarantee. You can shop with confidence knowing that you're going to get the lowest prices. If you find the same price somewhere else, the Brick will match it. The Brick and the Brick.com. It's time for five questions on the Jason Greger Show. All right, guys, as the Oilers roster continues to get trimmed down, uh, who's one player you think could, that could surprise us this season in a good or bad way? Go ahead, TR. Well, I don't want to steal all the thunder from the last interview we had, but I was going to go with, and I am going to go with Jack Campbell. I got every reason to think that he'll bounce back. He's a great goalie, and I fully agree with Kevin that, not that I'm close on hand, but it seems to me from the way he handled himself from the the questions and answers surrounding him that it was more between the ears than anything. I think he's a good goalie, and uh, I think he's got a positive attitude. His teammates love him. Why not pick him to bounce back? Uh, it's a good one. See, surprise is the key word there. So I guess I'm going to go... And so I guess it depends on what it is. I think Dylan Holloway is going to be more productive than people are thinking. So I will go Dylan Holloway. Question number two. Uh, TSN's top 50 NHL players partially revealed and Connor Bedard coming in at number 48. Thoughts on that? Is it too high for a guy who's never played a regular season game in the NHL? Now, going back to 2015-16, what was McDavid the start of the year? Like, Connor Bedard's a pretty high player. I do believe, you know, there's always a lot of hype. People love to overhype things. I don't think Connor Bedard is necessarily overhyped. He's pretty good. Um, at the end of the season, would anybody be surprised that, that Connor Bedard was top 40-point producer? I don't think so. So, I'm not, I, I don't have a real issue with it. Uh, that much at all. And, you know, you look at the rankings and there, there's always going to be some that, you know, maybe go, hmm, I don't know. So, yeah, I don't really have much of an issue with it. Yo, those of you who are old enough, and I was, I was 14, to see Eric Lindros start at the 1991 Canada Cup before one NHL game played. Not only was he good, he was one of the best players on the team. Now that was more physical than anything. He scored some big goals. Is Connor Bedard Eric Lindros? No. But he's, let's say, of the generational players that have come along in the last bunch of years, let's say Sidney Crosby and Connor McDavid, I suppose. Before that, it would have been Lindros. Different players, but I have every bit of Bedard, confidence in Bedard as I did those guys coming in as, as uh, high-level prospects that they are. And my only question with it is that he's not ranked higher. I thought he would be ranked higher than 48. All right. Question number three, uh, MLB wildcard round gets going tomorrow. Which do you think will be the best in terms of entertainment value? For me, oh God, this was tough because you said entertainment value. So I think I'm going to go with Rangers, Tampa. No, I'm, I'm going to go with the Jays. The Jays, obviously, but I mean, you know, I guess trying to get outside of that vacuum. Um, first of all, I see both teams play a lot. And I know the Rangers are like the Jays. They could get 15 runs or they could score none. Like, it's a crapshoot. Tampa has incredible pitching, and I think the Rangers have almost equally as good hitting. So it should be a, uh, a series with great players that kind of contrast each other. So I'm looking forward to that one. I, uh, it's a good question because entertainment value, it's, it's more so, okay. It's, to me, is there going to be a lot of stolen bases now? There's stolen bases are up. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the rookie Corbin Carroll, man, that guy in Arizona has been worth his, 
price of admission for a lot of games. So I'm going to say Arizona and Milwaukee strictly from an entertainment standpoint. I think we're going to see, you know, a lot of activity on the base paths and maybe that's old school for me. I grew up watching, you know, uh, the Cardinals and there's tons of stolen bases. Ricky Henderson. I just, I kind of like that excited. All of a sudden it puts pressure on the pitcher. Now you got guys moving and all of a sudden, you know, hit and runs are a little bit more in place. So I'm going to go Arizona, Milwaukee. Listen, I have a question just just because we're on baseball. I don't want to waste your time, but one second. You just mentioned that and the rules and everything. Do you think the rules will be called the same or will there be more lenience? Oh, I got to. I don't see how you could change the, the, you know, the pitching clock's got to be the same. Obviously the base sizes and the shift, like it's, it's impossible not to call it. So no, I don't, I don't see. I mean at at the plate. Oh, wow. Sometimes a guy comes in and it's like, you know, vague, you know, when he's stepping into the box okay, or or pitcher batter or whatever. I mean, the other stuff is very black and white, but that's not. Yeah. Wow. That's every year, right? Like I, I still, I look at those pitches and I know we see it on TV sitting at home and you're like, oh, that one was just out outside the square. I can't believe he missed it. Like it's a 98 mile an hour fastball that he misses <laughs> by like a, a third of a centimeter. Oh my God. What a loser. Like I always kind of <laughs> chuckle at people like that to make it act like this is such a simple thing to see in real time. Like I, I think for the most part, like they get it right. Like Angel Hernandez, if he's, if he's not upping, then I think it's shouldn't be an issue. He's, <laughs> he's point. fairly questionable. Uh, question number four. Before we get to that, though, per our uh, statistician Declan Kruger, McDavid, 37 on the list back okay. in 2015. Oh, there so, you go. There you go. Okay, question number four. Uh, sad news over the weekend. CFL legend George Reed passing away. So I want to ask you guys this. Outside of quarterbacks, who do you think is the greatest CFLer of all time? Ooh. That is a really good question, Cons. Um It's really hard not to go with George Reed when you when you take out quarterbacks, right? So I'm going to go, I'll, I'll give two, and I don't want to steal an answer. I'm going to say George Reed, Milt Stiegel. Okay, I'm going to go, now again, not that I know much about the CFL, but I know players that kind of transcended the game, and I'm a sports fan, so I saw highlights. And I don't want to be too far off base here. I don't know where this guy lands, but Mike Pringle. Oh, yeah, he'd be right up there. I mean, just judging on what I hear, the highlights I see, the way other players talk about him, you know, the talents he had running. I don't know. That's what I'll go with. Final question for you guys. Since we had Thomas Nicholas on the show, star of Rookie of the Year and American Pie, uh, what is the best sports movie, but I'm going to say in the kids' demographic, movies that are designed for kids? Go ahead, TR. Designed for kids. Okay, so I'm going to stay away from, like, Slapshot. Like Field of Dreams. <laughs> uh any given Sunday. You know, Rudy, that kids can watch. Yeah. You know, they might be PG-13, but they're not made for kids. So the simple answer for me, made for kids. And I don't know that there's anything close to these two, but in my world, Karate Kid and Bend It Like Beckham. Ooh, Bend It Like Beckham. I am, uh, I love The Sandlot. I thought it was a fantastic show. So I'm going with The Sandlot, followed closely by... Just because it's a kid movie, The Mighty Ducks. Mm. Connor? Not bad picks. Yeah, Mighty Ducks is a classic. Um, Space Jam's up there, but I'm going to say Cool Runnings. Oh. Nice. The ultimate underdog story. Uh, yeah. That is a That's classic. A good off, uh, off the grid, but, but a nice pick. I like it. Nice. I like it a lot. Uh, TR, thanks for sticking with us. We'll get everything sorted out. 
professionally and properly by Thursday. Have yourself a good week. Now, um, will you be rewatching Shorzy this week now that you've seen it all? Like, do you, do you stay now? I'll watch, I'll watch episode two once a week. Or are you done? I've gathered it now. I've absorbed it. I'm happy with that. And the only other time now I'll watch it for, for a long, I might, I might revisit it in months to come. But my, my daughter, it sounds crazy content, but you know, she's 13. She knows I'm in a show that has some adult content. We'll watch each night. Like I said, for a half hour, we, we watch either Seinfeld or, or a bit of an old movie or a documentary or something. And that'll just take that place. So over the next few weeks, oh. I'll watch with her and that'll be it. Okay. Now do you fast forward certain scenes that you know are coming? Or do you to be expected no, to say, you know, these days, yeah. you, what are we talking? Violence? What? You know, you, we're really talking about the, the drugs and the sex for me. And, and if you're 13 and there's not a lot of drugs in there and yeah. sex, it's, it's humorous. You know, it's yeah. not like I'm showing her Schindler's list where she'd have to absorb something that probably her brain wouldn't be able to comfortably grasp. It's just all a little bit crude and over the top, but it's tongue in cheek, funny, and she loves it. So it's no problem with me. Well, there you go. TR, have a good one. We'll talk to you Thursday. Thanks a lot for having me again, guys. Have a great evening. It's Terry Ryan, our regular Monday and Thursday co-host from 3 until 5 o'clock. Check out his uh, podcast, uh, Tales of TR. It's quite funny. Let's get to a sports update brought to you by Edmonton Kubota. Stop in right now at EK and you can get 0% financing for 84 months on any of their compact BX tractors. Shop on.